I think for a lot of people, we stop dreaming. Someone said to me when I was in college, I was in my 20s, early 20s. They said, where you're at at 40 is likely where you'll be the rest of your life. If you're a couch potato at 40, you'll be a couch potato for the rest of your life. If you stop setting goals at 40, you'll stop setting goals for the rest of your life. That's the average. That's not everyone. There are exceptions to the rule. But it seems for too many people, there are no more goals, no more drive, no more ambition to grow, to improve, to learn. I've met people who have been at their companies for 20 years, and I said, are you a supervisor? Are you a director? Are you in charge? Nope, don't want that. Don't want the headache, don't want the responsibility, and I'd rather just make less money doing what i got to do and leave. I get it. That's what some people like, and that's okay. But that shouldn't impede your desire to grow, to improve, to become a better person, to learn more about your craft, your trade. I believe firmly in my heart that as a believer in Christ, as a child of God, we ought to be some of the best people in the workforce. God says do everything to the best of your ability, not just some things. I believe that. I believe that if we're going to be at work, we shouldn't blend in with everyone else and just put in the status quo. Because we're not doing it for the employer. We're not doing it for the company. We're doing it for God. Does that make sense? We ought to be the ones that stand out. I believe that. We shouldn't just blend in with everyone else. But for too many people, it's easier to just coast, to quit or to stop moving forward. It's always easier to come up with an excuse or a justification as to why you can't do things or than to set goals and to work at accomplishing them. It's easier. I don't have to force myself. I don't have to sacrifice. I don't have to give up anything. It's just easier just to coast. It is. Anybody disagree? It's easier. And especially as we get older. I don't want to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning like I did when in my 20s and go play basketball. I don't want to. I used to do that religiously when I was in my 20s. I don't like that anymore. I'd rather sleep if I can do it because the older I get, less sleep the older you get. Anyone else? And I'm okay with less sleep, it seems like. I mean, not really, but I tell myself I am. It's easier to coast and to quit than it is to push yourself and to do what's good for you. But can I just encourage you this morning, don't quit in this new year. Don't stop moving forward. Don't give up. I came across this story the other day, and I thought it was a good story. So listen to this. I do the very best that I can, and I mean to keep doing so. Abraham Lincoln's life is the best example of his own words. Consider this chronology of his career. In 1831, he failed at a business he tried to start. In 1832, he, de- he was defeated for legislature. In 1833, again failed at another business. In 1834, he was elected to legislature. 1835, his sweetheart died, and in 1836, had a nervous breakdown. Sounds like his life is going great. Failed business, lost his wife, 
and had a nervous breakdown. If there's ever a reason to quit, I think that might be it. That might be a reason to stop. It might be a reason to slow down. 1838, he was defeated for Speaker of the House. In 1840, he was defeated as an elector. In 1843, he was defeated for Congress. Do you think he just would just say enough is enough? And just say, I'm tired of losing? Anybody feel like you're on a losing streak? I felt that way. Things aren't going the way I want them to go. Feels like everything I do is not profitable. But then in 1846, he is elected to Congress. Then in 1848, defeated for Congress. 1855, defeated for Senate. 1856, defeated for Vice President. How many would have just given up? I mean, let's be honest. I would have given up. I would have said enough is enough. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of losing. I, I mean, it's in my nature, I want to win. How, how many else want to win? I want to win. Play a game, I will, and I promise you, I don't like playing games with my wife. I don't. If we are beating somebody, she will purposely lose the game because she feels bad for beating them. No. God says do everything to the best of your ability, to the praise of His glory, which means not doing half. You don't feel bad for somebody because they're losing and they can't keep up. No. 1858, defeated for Senate. And then finally in 1860, became the 16th President of the United States. Can you imagine defeat after defeat after defeat? I think I would have just quit. And I think sometimes God says, well, not sometimes, God says, we shall reap if we what? Faint not. God doesn't want us to quit. In fact, some of us who have given up on setting goals, some of us who have set aside ambition, and I'm not just talking about life stuff, that's important too. How about, you know, you graduate from high school, you take a college course and say, it's not for me, and just say, well, I'll just coast through, coast through life. How about go back to school later in life? It pays off, doesn't it? It pays off, those of you that have done it. Buckle down and do it. But the reality is, so many of us, we've chosen the easy route. And the easy route doesn't produce the results that we believe that God have for us. And it's not that God's not blessing us. We've chosen to quit. I think the Bible is full of examples of people that failed and failed miserably. Think of Moses in Exodus chapter 2 and Exodus chapter 3. Moses failed at his first attempts to serve God. Oh, send someone else. I'm not qualified. I can't speak. I mean, talk about the king of excuses, right? I mean, this guy was a master coming out of a list of justifications and rationale for not doing what God asked him to do. And how many of us are good at that? I am. I am good at coming up with reasons as to why I can't or shouldn't have to do what a guy has asked me to do. I'm good at it. I mean, this week, I mean, I'm just, let me just give you an example. 
Anybody ever had an appliance breakdown? I refuse to pay an appliance guy $300 to come fix something I think I might be able to fix myself until I'm desperate to call him. So our stove breaks down. One burner doesn't work. And of course it's got to be the big one up front that, you know, the one you use the most, right? It's got to be that one. Can't be the one little one in the back that you never touch. It's got to be that one up front. And once you know to get to that stinking burner that don't work, you got to take 40 volt bolts out to get to it. I'm irritated. So I got all this stuff out here. I finally get it apart. I go over to the Rochester appliance. I get a new valve because, and I'm thinking it's the valve, right? Because, you know, I'm pushing on this. It's stiff. This one's stiff. This one's stiff. This one's loose as all get out, and it doesn't want to turn right. And this one's stiff. So the one that doesn't work, it's, it's loose. It's not turning right. It's got to be the valve. And it may have been the valve, but I, I order the new valve. I come put the valve in. I have to take the whole thing. You know, I put it all together, and guess what? doesn't work. Mmm. And I'm thinking, what gives? At that moment, I could have very easily done what? Who's available? <laughs> but I'm not a quitter. I'm not paying their fees. So I get the bright idea, and I don't know. Well, maybe it's from God because it ain't from my own will. I take knobs off the other ones, and I take the igniter section off one valve and put it on the one that doesn't work. And guess what? It works. So it's not the valve at this point. It's the igniter, which means I have to do what? Take the whole stinking top this thing apart again. And then there's my wife. You know, as long as you got this thing apart... You know what that means. More work. That very tiny little phrase means more work. So now we're at Lowe's getting, well, we didn't get there, I already bought it. Appliance paint. To, you know, get all those chips and divots and scrapes and everything off the surface of the stove. So now we're painting the surface of the stove. Putting it back together. Order an igniter strip. Putting the igniter strip in. And voila! It works. The easiest thing would have been to say, I give up. This is too much headache. But giving up means I'm going to pay twice as much, three times as much, having somebody else come out and diagnose it and fix it. And I don't get the satisfaction of knowing how to learn how to do it next time if it happens again. Thank you, Don Morgan, for showing me how to take apart a dryer. I've done that like six times now. I'm not doing that again. Um, but we don't push ourselves. The easiest thing is to quit. But I think of Moses. He failed, at his, failed miserably at his first attempts. But then God uses him mightily because he didn't stay sitting down. He didn't stay sitting down, saying, I can't do this. And once again, if it's all about you, what do you need God for? If you're skilled, if you have abilities, if you have talents, you don't need God to do what He's asked you to do. I find that God stretches us in areas that we don't have abilities and skills in. He teaches us and works in us.
to mold us and to shape us and to push us to do what we couldn't do apart from Himself. But Moses failed miserably. And then God got a hold of his heart. How about in 2 Samuel chapter 11? David failed. I mean, how hard can it be just to see someone out there and say, oh, let it go. No, got to have Bathsheba. Got to have her. Oh, now I got to cover up my sin. Talk about a failure of a man in his character and his leadership at first, right? Talk about failing at being a righteous, holy individual. To the point that he sins with her, has a baby, loses the baby, and then tries to cover it up by sending his, her, wife, her husband into battle to have him killed. Talk about a failure of a man. How many, if that was your husband, you'd want to kill him? I would. I'm just being honest. That would irritate the fire out of me messing with my spouse. But, what did God end up saying when, he was, when Nathan approached him? I am the man. And what did God call him? A man after his own heart. Because he didn't quit. He didn't give up and say, well, I failed once, I might as well just stay here. I just I, I might as well just I might as well just give up. The easiest thing, folks, is to give up and to quit. Or how about the apostles? When God sent them out, he goes, Oh, we can't do this. Hey, can you not just can you not just pray with me for an hour? Can you not give me one hour of your day? Just one hour and pray with me. And they're out sawing logs, Ian, right? Bunch of failures. Yeah before we condemn them too harshly, right? I just know me. In my heart, I want to say, oh, I would have, I would have prayed with them, right? Because I'm just so godly, so spiritual, so on top of it all, I would not have been one of them. I know me, right? Truth be known, I'd probably have been the first one to sleep. I don't want to admit that. I don't want to think that. But the reality is that it could just have been you or I, right? Let's be honest. Could you have not just one hour? Just one one hour? No? Or how about Peter? Matthew 26. Lord, I'll never deny you. Never! I'll never do that, Lord. I'll never do that. Right. Because you're that guy who's just so spiritual. No. Because he's human. And his flesh will fail just like yours and mine will, right? Anybody want to admit that? I I don't want to fail you, Lord. I don't want to deny you. I mean, all sincerity, right? We're sincere people. I want to do what's right. I I, I I want to be able to say that I stood firm. And I stood my ground. I was not embarrassed to proclaim Christ. I was not ashamed of Jesus and what He's done. I want to, in my flesh, say, I'm not that person. But yet, I know me. And if you're honest, you know you. Along with God. He knows you. And yet, the cock crowed, and guess what? He denied the Lord Jesus. Three times. And yet, God continued to use them. 
He didn't quit. It would have been easy to quit. Oh, Lord, I'm a failure. Start the little pity party. Get the little violin going. Feel sorry for myself. I, I failed. That's the easy thing, right? It's easy to quit. I can't do this. That's not my skill. That's not my ability. That's not my talent. That's not my giftedness. If that's true, you need to get in your lane and find where God has gifted you so that you can prosper, so that you can do what God asks you to do. But to give up where God has you is also wrong. Let me give you one more. Acts 1, 6-11. Acts 2, 1-14. God still used the apostles after their many mistakes. They want to do one thing, God says, nope, I want you to do this. Well, fine, if I can't have my way, I'm just going to quit. How many times have we felt that way in our lives? I'm not getting what I want, so I'm just going to quit. Fine, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to take my marbles and go home. They're my marbles. (laughs) That's the easy thing. The hard thing is to stick it out and to keep moving forward. So here's where I want us to to land for this morning for a few minutes is in Joshua chapter 1. How can we have success in serving God? See, we're talking about things that we fail in, things that we quit in, but the most important area that God wants us to succeed in is what? Our walk with Him. Isn't that amazing? That He has a plan for us. And He has a way that we can be successful in that plan. And in Joshua chapter 1, so if you would follow along as I read verses 5 through 9. So beginning with Joshua 1 verse 5 says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So how can we have success in serving God? Well, first of all, let me give you just five things that he says in this passage that we can take with us that will ensure that we have success in our life. Number one, he says, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. First of all, he says, I will be with you. Do you realize what that means and what that implies? He says, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you'll not be alone. Isn't that amazing? I don't have to do what he's asked me to do by myself. I don't know about you, but some of the scariest times in my life is when when I've been alone. Um, I can remember one particular instance. Um, I I know I should not be telling a story against my dad, but I'm going to tell it. My dad had to go to a business meeting just for a minute. He had to run in, and he left me out in the car, and he says, I'm just going inside this building. I'll be here just for about five minutes. I'll be right back out. And these were like way back when I was like four years old. I know, Dad. He'd shoot me for telling the story. But he's gone. He's in heaven. 
you won't know. Um, so I'm sitting out in the car, and after a while, I start getting scared. I mean, minutes passed. He ended up being there for over an hour. And I was scared to death. And finally, I got out crying, and I walked into this building, and my dad said, oh, I totally forgot you were out there. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Appreciate that. But isn't it one of the most scariest times of our lives when we're alone? Or I can remember a time when I was up in Canada. As a junior hire, I decided to go hiking in the woods. We're talking thousands of square miles of nothing. Brush so thick you can't hardly walk through it. I got lost. And I thought for sure I was just done for. What sets in? Fear. Why? Because I'm alone. Even if I would have been lost with somebody, that would have been better. But when you're lost by yourself, how many have been there? That's scary. Eventually, I found my way back. About four hours later, I heard some screaming from the camp. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord, for someone screaming. And I made my way back towards camp, and I was safe. But for several hours, I was scared to death, thinking I'll never find my way back. Thousands of acres, or miles even. That's a scary time. But here's the thing. He said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. You talk about ultimate accountability, because no matter where you go, no matter what you do, he sees you, right? But it's also ultimate comfort because he's there with you no matter what. There may not be another person within miles of me, but God says, I will never leave you. So when God gives us a task, he's not sending us out on our own. He's sending us out with himself to accomplish that task. The question is, do we trust him? Are we relying on him? Are we drawing close to Him? Because He says, if you draw nigh unto Me, I will draw nigh unto you. So we have the opportunity to do whatever we're going to do with Jesus by our side. You want good success? Know that Jesus is with you. Number two, we find it in verse 6. So He says, be strong and of good courage, for to this people you should devise as, as an inheritance... Uh, the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. So he says, number two, be strong and of good courage. In other words, don't go out willy-nilly. Don't go out half-hearted. Don't go out thinking, well, I guess, you know, Eeyore syndrome. Oh, well. You know, you know it's just, you don't have to go, down, go out down in the dumps. He says, go out with boldness, with confidence, with encouragement that you're, you're, you're doing my tasks. Was, was Joshua here doing his own thing, or was he doing God's thing? He's doing God's. So he says, be bold. Go out with strong confidence. That thing is huge. It's not just, it's not just surviving, it's thriving. That's the difference. And here's the thing, he says, because i got a plan here. And the plan is that as you go out with boldness and confidence and courage and strength, 
I'm going to use you to divide the land that I swore to your people. I need you to be strong as a leader. God needs each and every one of you to be strong in this new year. You know, just think about this. 10% of you can't do the work of the church. You can't. Every one of you are necessary to do the work that God's called this church to do. Every one of you, not just some of you, not just most of you, not just half of you, all of you are needed. That's why he says in 1 Corinthians 3 that he goes, I have placed each and every one of you in the body as I saw fit to place you. He says, I have you here for a reason. The question is, are you fulfilling your purpose? The reason for which God put you here. It's not for me. It's not for anyone else in this church. It's because God put you here to do a task, and the question is, are you doing it? And then that drives us back to the first point. Are you doing what God is asking you to do, where you're trusting Him to do it, or are you doing your own thing? And that's really what it comes down to. So the bottom line is, He has a task for you to do, and that's why He needs you to be strong. He needs you to be courageous in doing what He's called you to do. How do we do that? Verse 7. He goes on and says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. So the third thing is to observe the law. The book that He gave us. You know, He's not sending us blindly, is He? He gave us His Word. But here's the thing. If we don't spend time in His Word, you ain't going to know what He has for you. You won't. You see, you can't go, uh, go through life living off what you learned as a kid in Sunday school. Question. Are you going to eat the food that your parents made six years ago? No, why? It's, it's old. It's nasty. That's old food. I mean, most of you won't eat yesterday's leftovers. I don't like leftovers. I like fresh stuff. Some of you are like that. But you know what? Even so, you can't live off yesterday's lessons. You need fresh lessons today. How do you get that? Observing the law. Observing the book. Spending time with God. Getting to know Him. Getting to know His Word. He said, this is what I want you to have to get you through life. It'll teach you everything you need to know. It'll take you to places that you never dreamed of. It'll keep you from harm that you thought would never come your way. Think about it. He said, I've given you everything that you need to get through life. But you've got to observe it. Question. How many of you have at least one Bible laying around your house? How many have at least two, three, four, seven, ten, twelve? I mean, has, has anybody ever grown up with the idea, I can't get rid of this old Bible? I just can't because it's somehow sacrilegious to get rid of an old Bible. That's me. Got Bibles on top of Bibles on top of Bibles. Because somehow it just seems wrong to get rid of one. It can be all torn up, and the cover's ripping apart, and the binding's broke, but you, I, I, somehow I just can't do it. So you get the hot glue gun out, and you're bind, yeah. We have Bibles on top of Bibles on top of Bibles in our houses. 
Are we reading them? Studying them? Wait a minute, that's the pastor's job, that's the teacher's job, that's the deacon's job. No, it's your job. It's your job. And no one can force you to do it. Nobody's going to put a gun to your head and say, read it. That's something we do of our own free will if we want to know Jesus. And that's something we ought to do this new year. Commit to reading more than we've ever read before. Just for sake of reading? No, 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 no. That's missing the point. Not out of duty, but out of desire, wanting to know him more. Spending more time with him. Getting to know his heart. You want to know the heart of God? Read through the Psalms. You want to know how to know more about the gospel? Get into the book of John, first John. You want to know the stories of the Old Testament? Get into it. The Bible is I had a teacher in high school, sorry if he's ever watching. The Bible is not a boring book. He used to say that every class when he started with, out with a preaching class. The Bible is not a boring book. And I'm thinking, oh Lord, if I had to listen to you every week. <laughs> I learned a lot from him though, Dr. Bennett. <clears throat> but the Bible is not a boring book. Some of you, if you would commit to reading the Bible, and let me just give you a couple things. You ever done a character study? Just do a study on the word kindness or love or forgiveness. And just study that from one end to the other about those character traits. You'll be better for it. Or how about a biographical sketch? I want to learn everything there is to learn about David. Everything there is to learn about Nathaniel. Everything I can learn about Jesus. Or everything I can learn about Paul. Do a biographical sketch. Or do a study on the town of Bethlehem. See everything the Bible has to say about Bethlehem. You know, there are so many ways to study the Bible. Or just study the word grace throughout one end to the other. If you would just commit to studying the Bible, just get a Bible dictionary or a Bible concordance and just study it, you'll be better for it. It's not hard. It's, it's really not hard at all. And today we have more tools on the internet than you've ever had before in the history of mankind. You can come up with the same messages I come up with. That's the truth. And if you're a better speaker and up here, I will let you up here. You want I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the knowledge. We're learning together. But I'm telling you, you can do this. Don't quit before you start. Get into the Word. He says, observe to do according to all the law. So you're not just observing the law, you're what? Obeying it. So you observe it, you find out what it says, then now I apply it to my life. Number four. Well, actually, let me go back one, verse 7. Look at the end of verse 7. He says, "My servant, uh, Do not turn, turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you may go. So he gives us a word of warning here as you're observing the law. So once again, so those of you that have been in supervisory roles or leadership roles in your places of business, what happens after you teach somebody how to do something on a machine or you know, do something in, in paperwork, the process, or what happens after you train somebody to do the job that they're hired to do? 
Well, once you train them, you expect them to what? Do it. In fact, now that I've trained you, I don't want you to do your own thing because that doesn't work. There's a tried and true process here. If you are trained this way, this is how we want you to do it. Well, what if I have a better way? It doesn't matter if you think you got a better way. Do it how I told you to do it because that's what I'm paying you to do, right? We've all had that employer who says he doesn't know what he's talking about. It doesn't matter. If you're being paid to do something one way, they expect you to do it that way because that's what you're hired to do, right? He says, observe to do the law. And he says, don't turn from it to the right or to the left. He says, do it the way you're supposed to do it. I don't know about you, but I have not found any area of my life that I know better than God. Just saying. I have not found one area of my life where I can improve in what he's already taught. I can't. Oh, there's times I've tried. (laughs) Times that I've wanted to do it different. And guess what? It doesn't work. God knows what he's talking about. So he says, don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left. Do it how I told you to do it. Observe and obey. Observe and apply. And he says, then you'll have what? Good success. So he says to meditate on it. So look at verse 8. He kind of recaps. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all. Wait, wait, I don't know if I read that right. That you may observe to do most of. That you may observe to do what what feels right. Is that, is that what it says? Why do we treat God's word that way then? See, most of us aren't guilty of the sins of commission. I mean, we're not out raping anyone, would haven't killed anyone. Uh, generally speaking, I don't steal from anyone. I, I try not to lie to anyone. The sins of commission, the th- sins that you would commit, but what about the sins of omission, the things that we've omitted from our walk with God, like Bible study, prayer, sharing my faith. I've omitted those things because they're harder. How many think it's hard to share your faith sometimes? It is. It doesn't come easy sometimes, does it? We live in a cynical world, right? We live in a world of people that, like, that's your opinion. That's what you believe, and that's good for you, but I don't want it. That's, that's the world we live in. So, question. When you tell your kid to do something in your home, like clean his room, are there justifiable reasons for them not to have to do it? If I tell my kid to clean the room, I expect them to do it. Don't you? If I tell my kid to take out the trash, do you expect them to do it? Yeah. Well, does I don't want to do it justify as a rational excuse as to why they don't have to? No. <laughs> you think that works with God too? I don't think it does. God says, I want you to tell us about me. But Lord, it's so hard. <laughs> oh, don't, don't worry about it. I got this one. But we justify it because it's hard. I know it's hard. It's hard for all of us. Someone said to me, Pastor, it's easier for you because you've never met a stranger and you could talk about Jesus to anybody. That's not true. It's not true for any of us. 
There are times that it flows and there's times that I want to and I just can't find the words. That's just the truth. There's times that my mouth doesn't shut up and there's times I can't get it to open. I know that's the harder one. But there's no rational excuse that is justifiable in the sight of God for our lack of obedience. None. And just because of hard or I don't remember the words or I can't think of the verses, it's not justifiable. He says to meditate on it day and night. I think for me, this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about me for a minute. The more I'm in God's Word, the easier obedience comes. Anybody else find that? But when I stray from it for a few days, I find that my flesh starts to take over and flesh starts winning out. Anybody else ever found that out? So what does that teach us? We've got to stay in the book. That's why he says to meditate on it day and night. When you read something, think about it throughout the day. How does this work in my life? How do I apply this? So as we walk away today even, well, we'll come back to that. Look at verse 9, the last thing. So verse 8 says, Don't let the, this book of the law shall not depart from my mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you have good success. So success comes and prosperity comes from doing what God's Word says to do by being in it. And then verse 9, Have I not commanded you? He recaps it all. says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. No matter what I do, no matter what I say, no matter where I'm at, God's Word is with me. So if I'm to meditate on this message that God just gave us from Joshua 1.9, how do we apply this? How do we observe to do all that God has told us to do. So what does this mean for me this afternoon? What does it mean for me tomorrow morning when I wake up? What does it mean for me Thursday morning when I wake up and when I'm at work and things aren't going great? How do I apply what I just read? Give me some ideas. You don't have to be the first one. You can start off as number two. Bill, make a schedule to do what? So if you don't plan, you will fail, right? When are you going to study God's Word in, in the day? What, what part of the day are you going to give to Him? Yeah, you're going to meditate on it, but you've got to set a time frame. Set a time in your life that you're going to spend some time with the Lord. What else? Pray. Throughout the day, it says pray without ceasing. That means I don't have to necessarily say, okay, 7.30 in the morning to 7.44, I'm going to pray every morning. It means pray throughout the day, and we're going to be talking back to God. Hey, God, you know, yesterday you know, we heard this message about being strong and courageous. Lord, I need your help because I, uh, naturally, Lord, I, I, I'm kind of timid, and I don't really Lord, I just need your courage, and I need your strength today. And I'm going to be praying that throughout the day. What else? What's that? Yeah, stop and pray when things aren't going right, right? Kyle. Absolutely. Tell someone. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your kids. Talk about it. What else? Dave. The greatest ability is availability, right? Being there. Yes. 
Get there. Consistency. It's true. One bite at a time. That's right. It's so true. Consistency and just getting there. What else? How do we apply? Gloria and then... I'm sorry? Taking a bath. Then the simple things, remembering God. The day by day. Amen. Day by day. It's just simply observing God's law, spending time with Him. He says, you want success? You want, you want to be prosperous? He says, you've got to do this. So we live in a world that wants to be prosperous, right? We live in a world that wants success, but they want to do it the world's way. And God says, that's not how you get it. He says, you want to be prosperous and have a successful way, you've got to be in God's Word. You've got to meditate on it and observe to do all that is in His will. And do it courageously and boldly. What else? How are we going to apply this tomorrow morning when we get up? How are we going to apply this when we get home this afternoon? Anything else? These are all good things. Ken? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've got to have the right kind of motivation, right? I mean, it doesn't, if I'm doing it for myself, it doesn't matter. Right? Love. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Ben and then Betty. Oh, that is huge. I don't like to evaluate my own life and where I'm failing. I don't want to admit that. Well, how many times did you read God's Word this week? Oh, don't ask me that question. Not this week. It's a rough week, and I'm justifying it because I had a rough week. I, I don't want to evaluate myself. That's hard. That's too humbling. But yeah, you're right. Ask them the tough questions. Betty. Be strong and don't give up. Absolutely. Folks, these are the questions we need, that we, we need to ask ourselves every time we're in God's Word. So if I read God's Word, even if it's one verse, just simple as one verse, what is it that God wants me to learn from that one verse? What are the questions I need to ask about that one verse so that I can meditate on it throughout the day, apply it to the circumstances of my day, and then respond in obedience and, 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 and to God and His Word and to just do the do the things He's asked us to do, to be the person that He wants, wants us to be. It's the simple things. It's not complex. It's not, it's not like God is saying, hey, memorize the whole book and come back to me in two weeks. We'll have a little short test on it. It, it could be a, a simple verse. One simple verse. Or maybe it's this little passage that I read this week. And what am I going to do with that little passage I read? He says, you want to be prosperous? You want your ways to be successful? Whatever you read in this book, don't depart from it. Don't set it aside. Don't go to your, about your day without it. Meditate on it. Let it be on your lips. Don't depart to the right or to the left. Be in it. Show up. 
Get, get some time with God. And then observe and apply all that you read. Sounds simple, right? It's not always that simple, but it's what we ought to strive for. Making it a priority. Because if you don't make it a priority, it will not happen. It's just that simple. You've got to make it a priority. If you want change in your life, you've got to make it a priority. If you want success God's way rather than the world's way, you've got to make it a priority. Anyone else? Final words. Ken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Satan would love nothing more than to say, set it aside, let the dust grow. So true. Anything else? Study, yeah. Heather? Exactly. That is so true. Are we wanting to get rid of the distractions? Squirrel! Yeah, some of you just woke up. I'm sorry. Sorry, Laura. (laughs) But I'm telling you, there are squirrels all around us, right? There are distractions. And distractions come in many forms and shapes and sizes and colors. And I can watch TV. I can read a book. I can sit there and scroll Facebook. Or whatever it is that you do. Knit? I don't know. <laughs> Just throwing that out. <laughs> I don't knit. <laughs> Not starting either. Um, but think about it. What's that? Yeah, put on the shield. Because Satan's going to attack. And as Ken said, our, our war, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities and powers and spiritual, spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan's in, Satan's in it for the long haul. He's in for the battle. Not just the battle, but he's in it for the war. And if we want to win the battles, we've got to be in the book. Folks, I don't know about you, but these little things are just, it's just a simple thing. And yet it can be hard if we are trying to do it in our own flesh. You can't. You need the Spirit of God working through you to help you. You have to. If not, we're just going to go on a status quo and nothing changes. But these are all good things that we need to learn from each other and apply to our lives. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to do that this week. I pray, God, that you'd help us to get in the Word, to meditate on it day and night. I pray, God, that we would not turn to the right or the left. I pray, God, that we would be strong and courageous and bold. And I pray to your Father, Lord, that our success and our prosperity would come from doing what's right your way, not our own way. But Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that are here today, Lord, that we would apply these things. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us because, Lord, we can't do it in our own strength. We will fail. So, Lord, help us. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just a simple question this morning. Say, Pastor, I need that word of encouragement this morning. I need to get back in the book. I need to get to the point where I'm studying it and meditating on it. I've maybe struggled in these areas, but Pastor, pray for me. That's that's my desire. Yes. 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 All over the auditorium. Many of you. Most of you. A lot of you. Raising your hands. Can I just encourage you? Just take this next 10 seconds and say, Lord, 
forgive me for not spending the time with you that I need to be spending. Just simply. God's word says if you if you confess it, he'll forsake you know and forsake our sin, he'll forgive us and cleanse us. So just ask for forgiveness. He'll he'll forgive you. And then secondly, say, Lord, help me to make this a priority. Help me to spend time with you. Help me to make your word a priority in my life. Because you can't do it in your own flesh. Just ask God for help. He says, if you draw nigh unto me, I'll draw nigh unto you. Ask him for help. He'll help you. He says he would. Either God's going to do it or he's a liar. And I know my God's not a liar. So if we'll make it a priority to seek his face and to ask him for his help, he'll do it. Just take a moment. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, you know our hearts. You know the very things that are distractions. As one mentioned, Lord, I pray, God, you'd help us to get rid of the distractions, Lord. With your help, Lord, help us to remove them, Lord, so that we can focus on what you have for us. Lord, we all want to be prosperous. We all want success. But, Lord, help us to want it your way. Lord God, thank you for all this input from everyone in the auditorium. Lord, thank you for their, their, their input, Lord, into how we can improve and apply these things. Lord, I pray that we would all do that this week, Lord, now as we go our separate ways. But be with each one who raised their hand and their heart towards you, Father, Lord, that we would together, Lord, apply the things that we're learning day by day as we spend time with you. That we can become more like Christ. That we can become more like your son, Jesus. Lord, we, we, uh, Lord, we realize that we are frail. We are fleshly. So, Lord, help us, Lord. We can't do it apart from you. But, Lord, give victory, we pray, Lord. Give us confidence, Lord, to walk courageously and boldly, Lord, as you've told us to. So, Lord, we confess that we need you now more than ever. So, Lord, give victory, we pray, this week, Lord. May we sense your presence at work. May we open up doors of opportunity, Lord, to serve you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.